My name is Kurt McDonald. I'm one of the pastors at Gospel Community Church. I want to talk with you today about the Training Day podcast. That's right, the Training Day podcast. The Training Day podcast exists to continue your learning so that you can be equipped for every good work in every day life. Our hope with the Training Day podcast is to create a resource library for you, your friends, your family, uh, whether you've been a believer for many years, new to the faith, or not a Christian at all. We're hoping that this will be a resource library for you so that you can learn what it looks like to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and land it in everyday life. So we want you to subscribe to our podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us there on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever. You can also find us on our YouTube channel, The Training Day Podcast, or our website, trainingdaypod.com. So please go subscribe and let's grow together in Christ. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. Morning. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Kirk McDonald. I have the great privilege of being one of the pastors uh, here at Gospel Community Church. It is my honor this morning to bring to you God's holy, inspired, and an errant word. May he add his blessing to it. Let me set the tone for us this morning. This morning, we are going to be uh, diving in deep, okay? Uh, we, we are diving in deep theologically and historically, uh, and so I just I need to let you know uh, that, that today that, that's where we're headed. And so go ahead and get your mind prepared uh, for, for a deep dive into the scriptures uh, this morning. So we're not going to look at uh, three scriptures to uh, help you feel better. Uh, we are going to be diving deep into uh, God's word today together. Uh, and so I just want to, again, prepare your mind for that's where we're going uh, in addition to uh, us, us diving in deep into uh, the Word of God today, the current um, in the, the depths is going to be very rapid because of the limited time that we have. You see, we, we have children in the room, and so that limits uh, my time because they will essentially start a civil war amongst us if we're in here too long. Uh, and so what I need to do is dive in deep and move quickly. Can you do that with me, church family? Okay, so we are going to be looking and talking a lot about the Old Testament today, even though the passage is from the New Testament. So we're going to be in the New Testament, jumping back to the Old Testament, in the New Testament, jumping back to the Old Testament very rapidly. So if you would like, you can already go ahead and, and keep your uh, little Bible marker in, in Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10, but then also in Exodus, which where we will be jumping back to very repeatedly. But before we even get there, before we really even dive in, we have to gear up. Somebody say gear up. gear up. So before we dive in, we, we need to uh, put on our snorkel. We need to get the face mask on and, and, the, and, the, and the, uh, the, the swim fins. We, we got to do all that. And so by way of before we dive into the Old Testament, there are three things, uh, three gear items that you need to know about the Old Testament. Can we do that? 
I got charts and graphs and all kind of fun stuff uh, for you today. So, so here is what I want to see. Three things that you need to know about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is filled with pictures of Christ. So but before you think, as, as you go reading through your Old Testament and you don't see Jesus anywhere, and all of a sudden you, you get to the New Testament and you open up the, the Gospel of Matthew and there's Jesus, you, that, that's not the first time he's on the scene, amen? Je, so there are multiple, multiple pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. Let's just start with Adam. You see, Adam was in the garden and he was supposed to be protecting his wife from the serpent, but he did not protect his wife from the serpent. And so he ultimately gets kicked out of paradise. But, but Jesus, he comes... And, and he also was in a garden, amen, somebody on the, the night before he was crucified. And he goes on to crush the head of the serpent so that we would not stay kicked out of paradise, but so that we would be welcomed back in. You see, Adam is a picture of Christ. Well, what about Noah? You see, Noah is the one that gathered his family onto the boat and, and then the wrath of God came in the form of a flood and his family was saved from the wrath of God through the wooden boat. You see, Jesus, what he does, he doesn't, he doesn't have a wooden boat, but he saves us from the wrath of God from a wooden cross where he gathers his family up underneath the protection of the wooden cross so so that when the wrath of God comes next, not in the form of a flood, but in the form of a flood of fire, when that flood comes, we are saved as God's family through the raft of the cross. Noah is a picture of Christ. Well, what about Abraham and Isaac? You guys know this story. There they are. The, the call comes to Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac and the, the knife is in the air. He is about to plunge it into his son to sacrifice his son for the sins of the family. Yet the son is spared. There's a, there's a, a ram uh, trapped in the bramble and they sacrifice that ram instead. You see, Jesus is the son who is not spared. Jesus is the son who is sacrificed in our place for our sins so that sins might be forgiven. Isaac is the picture of Christ. What about David? You see, everybody thinks that David's story of him slaying the giant is all about you slaying the giants in your life. And that's not true at all. David is a picture of Christ who, who there is the, the family, the people of God, Israel, and they are about to be defeated, enslaved, and killed to this opposing army. And here comes David with his stone. He slings it and slays the giant. And Jesus comes along and he slays the biggest giant of all, which is sin, so that we are not enslaved like the people of Israel would have been. All kinds of pictures of Christ. What about Jonah? Jonah is a picture of Christ. Jonah, who stays three days in the belly of a fish and yet comes out alive. Jesus, our great God and Savior who spends those, those nights in the tomb and yet comes out resurrected and alive. The Old Testament is filled and on and on I could go. The Old Testament is filled with pictures of Christ, but the Old Testament is not only filled with pictures of Christ, it's also filled with the promises of Christ. The, the promises that, that he's going to come. What about Daniel chapter seven? The son of, he, he, he gets this vision and the vision goes something like this. He says, there I saw the son of man coming on the clouds and he was seated before the ancient of days and all authority in heaven and on earth was given to the son of man. There, there is a picture of Christ coming before the ancient of days, that is the, the father in heaven. He is seated before him and all authority. Who gets all authority when sitting next to the ancient of days? 
Well, that can only be Jesus. It can only be someone or something that is of the same substance, and that is Jesus Christ. It is the promise of his coming when when he would bring all things back to himself on that great and final day. It's the promise of the coming Savior. The Old Testament is filled with the promise of the coming Savior. What about Isaiah 52 and 53, where we're told about the man of sorrows, where where it says that that he will be stricken and afflicted, that we won't even want to look upon him. What about when, when it says, by his wounds, we will be healed. It's filled with the promises of Christ. And what about Micah 5, where it, it, it promises that there is gonna be an eternal, listen to this, an eternal ruler that is born in Bethlehem. Okay, so how can an eternal ruler be born? <laughs> Well, the only way that an eternal ruler can be born is Jesus Christ who existed before time began in eternity past, then comes and puts on human flesh and lives the life that we should have lived and dies the death that we should have died in our place for our sins. The Old Testament is filled with pictures of Christ. It's filled with the promises of Christ, but that's not all. I got one more. Y'all ready? So so we got the pictures of Christ. We have the, the promises of Christ. The Old Testament is also filled with the presence of Christ. The very present, not just in type and shadow. Is there types and shadows and pictures? Absolutely. Is there promises that he is going to come? There's, it's filled. I just gave you three. It's filled with promises of the coming savior, but the very presence, the real Jesus Christ is present in the Old Testament. Abraham was rejoicing in the great I am and the great I am was Christ according to John eight fifty six through 58. That's where Jesus says before Abraham was, I am. Abraham was rejoicing in the great I am and Jesus declares, I am the I am. His, his literal presence is in the Old Testament. What about Moses's motivation? You got to go check out Hebrews eleven twenty six. Moses's motivation to lead the people out of slavery was the reproach on the name of the Lord and the Lord was Christ. So, so Moses is looking at his people that they are enslaved by Egypt. And he says, these are God's people and God is the most powerful God. He is the only God. And so it is such a shame. It is bringing reproach on the name of the Lord for these people to be enslaved. And that was what motivated him uh, to lead the people out of slavery because of the reproach on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're back in in Exodus. What about Jude 5? The one who ultimately led Moses and therefore the people out of bondage in Egypt was Jesus. Jesus is out ahead as Moses is following as the nation follows them out of bondage. Or what about John 12, 40 through 41, where it says, the glory that Isaiah saw in his vision. Do you remember Isaiah's vision from Isaiah chapter six? There was the throne and Jesus was seated on the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple and there was great smoke and there was three angels and the angels had six wings. Two of the wings covered their face, two of the wings uh, covered their feet and with the other two they flew and they called out, holy, holy, holy. That vision that Isaiah saw was a vision of Jesus. So we, we see pictures, we see promise, and we see the very presence of Christ all throughout the Old Testament. 
So before you go thinking, you know, here's Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, First and Second Chronicles, First and Second, and you get all the way. I didn't see any Jesus in there. Oh, here he, here he is in the New Testament. No, 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 church family. This is fundamental to understanding your Bible. If you don't understand that Jesus is very picture, his, his promise and his presence is all throughout the Old Testament, you don't understand the Bible at all. So, in order to go where we need to go today, we had to uh, kind of get that into our minds because um, those Old Testament saints are saved just like we are saved. Amen? So, so it's not as if that, that, that people weren't following Christ. So, so how were the people in the Old Testament saved if Jesus had not yet been crucified? Good question. Okay, so how were the people in the Old Testament saved if Jesus had not yet been crucified? Well, here is our position. What, what we're looking at is we're looking backwards down the hallways of history to the crucified Christ and by grace through faith in Christ alone, we are saved. The, the Old Testament saints were looking forward in the future to the coming Messiah who would die in their place for their sins. And so the Old Testament saints are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Amen? Amen. This is what we must know about the Old Testament. Okay, so what we've just done uh, is essentially a, a Christological survey of the Old Testament. Okay, tell all your friends, they'll be excited about you. Now, so, so the reason that we had to do that is because as we jump into uh, this section of text, what it's gonna force us to do is to go back to the Old Testament. So basically, I'm gonna read a verse in the New Testament and that's gonna point us back to a text in, uh, in Exodus where we're gonna have to go back and read that too so we can get a full understanding of this text. I mean, just look at it really quickly. Just look at the, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, for our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. <laughs> you read that and you go, Paul, you lost me. I got, <laughs> I got no idea what you're talking about. You, yeah, there was a sea and a cloud and like, what is going on here? But the apostle Paul is so acquainted with his Old Testament. It, it flows out of him because he, he lives in it, right? This is this is the Apostle Paul. And so he shifts gears and he is hearkening us back to um, the Old Testament, which is what we need to look at. Okay, so <clears throat> let me just tell you this, church family. Today in the sermon, I'm going to break one of my very main rules of preaching. Okay, I'm gonna break a rule. One of my big rules in preaching, I'm breaking today. Here's one of my big rules in preaching. My big rule in preaching is this. Always make the main point of the sermon, the main point of the text. That's a big point that, that I, I, I hardly ever stray from. This morning, I'm straying from it. Here's the reason why. Because as we get into the text, going back and understanding what is said will lead us up to the main point. And by that time, it's going to be time to go. <laughs> so we're going to do, okay, uh, uh, section, cha uh, uh, chapter 10, 1 through 13, part 1. That's today. And then next week, uh, Pastor David is going to explain to us the main point of the text um, and, and, and kind of unpack that. So that, that's how that's going to go. I'm going to get us to the main point, and then next week, he's going to take it from there. Is, is, that's what we're doing, right? Okay, good. He's nodding his head. Uh, he said yes under his mask. Here we go. 
So here is, here is the, what we are going to see today. So even though we're not getting to the main point of verses 1 through 13 today, along the way, we discover an astonishing truth about the person and work of Jesus. Here it is. Jesus is the rock that was struck so that living water could flow. Jesus was the rock that was struck. He was struck so that living water could flow. There was the people of Israel wandering through the desert. They they were thirsting literally to death. And instead of crying out to God who had provided them miracle after miracle after miracle to get them water, instead they go to Moses and grumble and complain to him. Now, what Moses does is Moses goes and he prays to the Lord and the Lord tells him to get the staff that, that he had struck the Nile with. Uh, again, this rod, this picture of a staff is a picture of judgment. It, it, it's a picture of wrath. He struck the Nile with it and turned the Nile into blood. And he says, get that same staff and I want you to go and I want you to strike the rock. He didn't say, I want you to wave the, the staff around the rock. He, he, he didn't say, I want you to take the staff and point it at the rock. Uh, he didn't say, tap it. He, did, he said, strike the rock. And so Moses takes the rod of judgment and strikes the rock. And from the rock, the water flows and they are saved. In the same way, church family, you were lost in the wilderness of this world. In the same way, your soul was dying of thirst. And what happened is the rod of judgment that should have struck you struck Jesus on the cross because Jesus is the rock. And from him, living water has flown to your soul. And now you live because he died. Okay, that's the sermon today. So now I have to show you uh, where I'm getting that from the text. And we've got a lot of work to do and not a lot of time to do it. I need somebody to help me today as we get into chapter 10, verse one. Here we go. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Um, He begins by saying, I do not want you to be unaware. He cares about their soul. He cares about them. And and they are seemingly ignorant in a particular area. And so he is helping them understand the truth of what they're missing. Now, how he is going to do that is by pointing backwards. He is going to say, look at the history of these people. Don't repeat their history. That's what he is going to get to. What is so interesting is look at it. He says, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that whose fathers? Ours. He's including himself with the Corinthian church. Is the Corinthian church Jew or Gentile? Predominantly Gentile. (laughs) Showing that God has one people one family that that he has brought into his family through his shed blood on the cross. He is letting now, he's letting these Corinthians know that now because they are in Christ, Israel's history is now their history. In the same way, we as Christians, as we read the Bible and we see the failings of uh, the, the, the people of Israel in the Old Testament, that is our history and the warning should come to us not to repeat that same History, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. He wants them to learn from the failings of those people. If you're taking notes, jot this down. 
One of the hardest things to do is to learn from your past mistakes. Amen? Any, anybody? <laughs> Just me. Okay. <laughs> Some, <clears throat> something even harder is to learn from the past mistakes of others. Now, why is it harder to learn from the past mistakes of others? Because we think we're smarter than them. We think we're better than them. We think that we're more crafty. And where they fell in that hole where they tripped up, that's where we're just going to jump right over. We'll be fine. So while it's difficult to learn from our own past mistakes, it's even more difficult to learn from the past mistakes of others because of our pride and because of our arrogance. Here's what he says about them. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. What does it mean to be under the cloud. Well, here's what's happening. We're about to jump into Exodus chapter 13. Here's what's happening. The Passover has happened in in chapter 12. They have left Egypt. They have marched out of slavery, out of bondage. And here's what happens directly after they march out of bondage. Exodus 13, 21. Are y'all still with me this morning? I told you we're diving deep. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. As they leave Egypt, they are on the run. They got to travel by day. They got to travel by night. They are boogieing. And so here's what happens. The Lord shows up in a pillar of cloud. Now, what, what is that? What did that look like? I mean, is, is this a, a cumulus cloud, a serious cloud? I mean, what kind of, nobody even knows. Y'all don't even know. I don't even know what kind of clouds those are, but, but there it is. It's a pillar a cloud thing. And, and it's, it's ahead of them covering them as a symbol of God's protection over them. That's the idea of the cloud. And then at night, it shows up as a pillar of fire, giving them light so they can continue to travel. So he's saying, I want you to know, don't forget church family about the, about the provision that God gave the people of Israel. God provided for them. He, he was covering them. Don't forget about that. He also says this, that all pass through the sea. Well, okay, let, let's go back again. So, so they're, they're running from, uh, from Egypt, remember? They're, they're run, and, and God's protection is over them. All of a sudden, Pharaoh decides that was a really dumb idea to let them go. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give chase after them. So here comes the, the Egyptian army with the chariots and, and, and the whole deal. They're, they're chasing them. Exodus 14, 22. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. There they, the Israelite, or the, the, the Egyptian army is behind them. The Red Sea is before them. God literally parts the sea. <laughs> I mean, if you don't believe that God is a way maker, when, when you feel stuck, if you don't believe you can call on the name of the Lord, he split a sea in two. You don't think he can get you through your financial situation? He split a sea in two. You don't think he can fix your marriage? He split a sea in two. You don't think he can help you with your depression and anxiety? He is a way maker. Yeah. So, so, so here's what, what, what's happening. He's saying, okay, our, our fathers were under the protection of the cloud as they traveled. Our, our fathers, they, they were provided a way through the sea. Again, Exodus 4.22, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. They, they were provided for, they had the protection, they had the provision. Verse two, 
and we were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, commentators go back and forth uh, exactly about what the baptism of Moses is, but just like Christians, when when we are baptized, we are showing uh, that Jesus is our Lord and we're gonna follow his leadership. In the same way as they were under the cloud and passing through the sea, it was showing that they're following Moses' leadership. So essentially by passing through the sea, uh, even though in baptism we go under the water, they went through the water, uh, but they were showing that they were following his leadership. Again, his aim is to draw the parallel between the people of Israel and the people of Corinth and subsequently to all Christians everywhere. So don't forget their example and don't follow it. Why? Because they had all of the symbols of religion, yet they did not have a heart that loved God. They had his protection, they had his provision, they were following the leadership of Moses, yet their hearts were far away from God. Verse three, we've got to move fast. And they ate the same spiritual food. What's that? The manna from heaven. Very good. You guys are Bible people. Exodus 16, four. Here's this. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I might test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Again, the Lord tests not to figure out what we're going to do, but to show us our own sinful hearts. Amen. Okay. So here, here is what I want to do. We, we have made it to verse three. Okay, so are y'all still with me? Okay, we've got to look at verses four and five, and I want to do them in a sort of unorthodox way, and again, in a very unorthodox sermon. So here here we go. I want to look at the beginning of verse four and all of verse five, and then I got to come back to the middle of verse four. Y'all with me? Okay, because I, I want us to, I want us to land in and really think about, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But I, but I can't get there yet. Let me finish the text, okay? I'm gonna get there, but let me finish exegeting the text, and then, then we're gonna talk about what it means for Christ to be the rock. Can we do that? All right, I'm the only one excited this morning. I'm okay with that. So verse four, he says, and they all drank the same spiritual Drink. So they ate the same spiritual food and they drank the same spiritual drink. That is the water from the rock. So here's his argument. He is saying to them, they being Israel, they had all the spiritual privileges that you do. Church at Corinth, uh, they had God's provision. They had God's protection. They ate the spiritual bread and drank the spiritual drink. Uh, meaning they had God's protection, provision, just like you guys do. Uh, They had manna and water from the rock. You guys have communion wine and communion bread. That's the parallel that he's making. Do you see that? That's the parallel he's making between the water from the rock and the bread and the communion bread and the wine. That, do do you see how you guys are like them? He's connecting their, their, their lives together. That's what he wants them to see. They partook of the Lord's Supper, that is the manna, the representation, so on and so forth. Verse five, nevertheless, this is the warning part. This is a scary part. You see how they did? They had spiritual drink. They had spiritual food. They had God's protection. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown In the wilderness, the vast majority did not make it to the promised land. They were supposed to be coming out of Egypt, uh, heading towards the promised land, yet the vast majority of that generation never made it to the promised land. If you're taking notes, the people of Israel went through the spiritual motions, yet their hearts were not totally trusting in and dependent on God. Sadly, many so-called Christians live the exact same way. 
going through the, going through the spiritual motions. God, I read my Bible today. I did my devotions. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of the brave ones, you know, uh, I, I, because I actually go to church, you know, unlike those other, you know, I, look how spiritual I am. And, and that's going through the motions, yet deep within your heart, you are not fully trusting in and devoted to God. Does, does your checkbook show that you are fully devoted to God? Does your time schedule show that you're fully devoted to God? Does how you speak to your spouse show that you're fully devoted to God? Does how you raise your children show that your heart is fully trusting in and devoted to God? Is how you view the upcoming election, somebody help me today, does that show that you are fully trusting in and devoted to God? This is his warning to them. Now, let's come back to uh, verse four in the middle of it because I want to discover this truth this, when I discovered this truth in my study this week, I, I had to get up and leave and walk away from my computer uh, because the, the Lord began to speak to my heart. I, I, wanna, I want us to look at, here's, here's what it says. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. Listen to this next part. And the rock was Christ. Okay, here, here's the question that we need to ask. How was Christ the rock. Now, usually when we think about Christ the rock, what do we think about? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. So when we think about Christ being the rock, usually the imagery is that of a firm foundation, right? That's not the imagery here. That's not the imagery. The reason that Christ is the rock is because it is a picture that he is, he is projecting back onto Exodus chapter 17. Are y'all still with me? Let's go read Exodus chapter 17 because I want you to see where he's getting this from and why he's saying this. Exodus chapter 17, I'm going to start in verse 2. <clears throat> Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Again, God is the one who had led them out of Egypt. God is the one who had showed them all of the mighty plagues. God is the one who had parted the Red Sea and they're complaining to Moses. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Moses said, I'm just the messenger. What? <laughs> I don't understand. Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why do you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with these people? If you've been in pastoral ministry for longer than five minutes, you understand this prayer. Now, they're almost ready to stone me, which you guys have felt that way about me, I'm sure. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel. Okay, stop right there. So this is not something to be done in private. He wants, get the elders and pass before the people so that the people see you. He wants this to be a public thing, not a go up on the mountain by yourself and I'm gonna to talk to you and then you come back down. This is a public thing that I want everyone to see. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel. Listen to this. And take in your hand the staff with which you what? Struck the Nile. Listen to me very carefully. Not the staff that parted the Red Sea. 
It's not a different staff. Are y'all still with me? Use your brains here. So it's not a different staff. The staff has two modes or two things that it does. It's either a rod of judgment or it is a rod of deliverance for God's people. In what mode or method is this rod being used or the staff being used here? Judgment. This is the rod of judgment. And take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there at the rock of Horeb and you shall strike the rock and the water will come out of it and the people will drink. The staff that struck the Nile. This is the rod of judgment. This is not the rod of deliverance. This is the rod of judgment. Who should the judgment be coming upon? The people for not trusting in God. The people for not believing in God. The, the, the people for not believing that he can, he can work miracles, that he can get them out of this mess. The people for not believing that God had their best interest in mind. The rod should have, it, it should have said, Moses, get the rod which you struck the Nile and line up the people of Israel and go down the row and strike each one. Because they have not trusted in me. They have not believed in me, even though I have delivered them time and time again. You strike them, Moses. But instead, instead, the punishment doesn't come to us. The judgment does not come to us. Instead, the rock is struck. The rock is struck. And the rock is a picture of Christ. Christ is the rock which is struck. And this is the picture. This is the imagery that... Moses acts out a drama in striking the rock, which is a picture of the gospel. As Jesus in his bloody cruciform figure hangs there on the cross, he is struck with the rod. He is struck with the staff. This is the picture that he is wanting us to see in the beautiful truth in which we discover. This is why as we think about stories throughout the Bible, this imagery of water comes alive. Do you remember the story of the woman, the Samaritan woman sitting at the well? Jesus approaches her and he says to her, would you give me a drink? And she says to Jesus, why are you asking me for a drink for I'm a Samaritan woman? And What he says to her next is so astonishing, especially in light of understanding that Jesus is the rock who was struck and living water flowed from him. What does he say to the Samaritan woman? He says, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water that would spring up in you into eternal life. Now, listen to me. The cost of him offering the Samaritan woman that gift is he first had to be struck. That is the glory of Christ. That is the majesty of the Savior in which we serve. He offers living water to you today. If you're here today, Jesus is offering you living water and the way that he offers it is by grace through faith, by placing your trust in him. And so even this morning, if you're here and you're already a Christian, you have received the first drink of that living water. He is offering you an unlimited supply of living water that can even now here this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit can rush to your soul with healing power.
Are you filled with anxiety this morning? Are you crushed with depression this morning? Is your, is your family in a total mess this morning? Is your finances in a total mess this morning? Are you feeling alone and scared? There is living water. There is living water coming to you and for you. So I close with this very last thing. Jesus is the rock that was struck so that living water could flow to us and in us, bubbling up in us a spring which leads to eternal life. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the wonderful truths that we find within your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the rock, that Lord, you were struck with the rod of judgment instead of the rod of judgment coming to us. Lord, we have ran from you. We have ignored you. We have decided to go our own way. We have ignored our past, seeing the many, many times that you have delivered us. And though we deserve to be struck with the rod of judgment, you were struck with the rod of judgment on the cross so that living water could flow. Lord, I know there are people in this room this morning that are hurting, that are in need of living water to rush into their soul with healing power. And so I pray right now in the power of the Holy Spirit, send living water upon this congregation. Send living water upon this church. Send living water to marriages in need. Send living water to families in need. Send living water to financial difficulties. Send living water to the depressed this morning. Send living water to those filled with anxiety, those filled with depression, those feeling alone. Send living water by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask all of these things in the mighty and the powerful name of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.